Hi, this is Oscar Rios from Golden Goblin Press, and you are listening to Legends of Tabletop, episode Good. 93, I think. Hey everybody, this is John. And this is Vince. And you're listening to Legends of Tabletop. Creating legends one die at a time. Oh, alright, you beat me to it. Good <laughs> evening, everybody. This is episode 93, as Oscar just uh, informed right. everybody. Uh, we have uh, him coming on tonight to talk about the Golden Goblin Press's new, well, not so new, but their new Kickstarter for Cthulhu Invictus. How's it going, Oscar? It's going good. It's going good. Cannot complain. Nobody wants to hear it. <laughs> That's probably true. <laughs> uh, so I'll, I'll pull my questions back up here. Before we jump into the to the soup and the soup to nuts of the uh, the Kickstarter here, can you give us a little bit of background on Cthulhu Invictus? A little bit of history. Oh, um, yeah. Going back to when I first started writing. I, in the in the early 2000s, I think maybe two, 1999, 2000, um, when I first started writing my first <clears throat> little dinky scenarios for um, something called the Chaosium Missionary Program, which was just scenarios that run at cons. Um, the very, the very, the second scenario I ever wrote was a Cthulhu Invictus scenario. Um, which eventually became part one of uh, Ripples from Carcosa. But it has always been one of my very favorite role-playing settings of all time. Um, so I've been writing and running um, Cthulhu Invictus from the time it was a monograph in the early 2000s, when it became a, a regular book, I think in 2008. Um, and then uh, my company produced a, a Cthulhu Invictus collection a couple of years ago to Hora Cosmico. And um, we really, um, you know, I wrote the, so far, the only campaign for Cthulhu Invictus, Legacy of Arius Lurko. So really have loved it uh, and written extensively for it. So when we asked Chaosium, can we do a, another Cthulhu Invictus collection, um, they tossed back to us, well, why don't you know would you be interested in taking over the entire line of of cthulhu invictus and we were it was like did somebody just turn on a strobe light in here or, <laughs> are, are, are you serious um so it's really you know that that nerdy moment when i mean for for your for your justice league nerds out there uh when when terry mcgillis gets contacted by superman and says hey do you want to join the justice league it's that moment. It's like, oh my God, we're we're actually going to take over the the line. Um, so we we jumped at it, and we scrapped our plan to put out a collection. And we're like, well, now that the seventh edition is out, the first, the most logical thing to do is to create a dedicated seventh edition guide to Cthulhu Invictus with all of the professions, the weapons, the the the, the combat rules, you know, the the monsters, a guide to the you know, a guide to the empire, you know, the, the whole thing, everything you'd need. And Chaosium put out a, a, a decent book through the ages, which gives you maybe eight or nine pages of how to run Cthulhu seventh, you know, Invictus in seventh edition. 
but there's still a lot of conversion. I mean, so we're, we're really excited to be, um, to be, you know, rewriting the Cthulhu Invictus rulebook specifically for the seventh edition rule set. And there's a lot of things about seventh edition that are going to solve some of the, the wonkier parts of, uh, of Cthulhu Invictus. So I think that this, we're already playtesting the rules and I can tell you it's a, it's a smoother, more dangerous Cthulhu Invictus than, than it used to be, uh, which we're really, really excited about. Uh, I'm looking forward to them, the, the players wandering into their first combat. Um, <laughs> they've been careful two two sessions and no combat yet, but their luck won't hold. <laughs> I, I know it's, I know it's coming. Right. Well, there's not a whole lot you can do with just a, you know, a gladius and the, you know, a couple of peel them or whatever, you know. <laughs> right. Uh, and I, and I think none of them are soldiers. They're all like, they're actually playing a group of middle-aged men. Um, <laughs> um, and they're, they're playtesting uh, one of our new Cthulhu Invictus investigator societies. So they, um, they had an idea for an investigator society. And I was like, you know what? I wasn't going to write that chapter for a couple of weeks, but I think I'll write it now. Um, so I actually wrote up the investigator society they uh, wanted to, to create. Um, and they made characters based upon that. And, and uh, so we're, 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 we're playtesting a lot. It's, you know, the first official Cthulhu Invictus investigator society. Um, we've had the first official push, um, the first butt look burning. Um, <laughs> so yeah, it's, it's, it's been a lot of fun. Um, I think people are really, uh, if, if they enjoy it half as much as I am enjoying playtesting it for the first time, uh, I think there'll be a lot of happy Cthulhu Invictus fans and new Cthulhu Invictus fans out there. Cool. All right. Is, uh, is Chad Bowser a part of the process at all? Did he have any uh, input, you, you know, kind of bounce anything off of him he, as you're he, kind of getting into it? He completely signed off um, on it. He said, you know, if anyone was going to take it over, I'd want it to be you. And that meant the world to me. Cool. Um, and um, I, I do think he's going to be a big part of it. Uh, we are almost, we're very close to unlocking stretch goal three. And stretch goal four is a, uh, we have one scenario, one starter scenario in the book, uh, in the seventh edition guide. Um, stretch goal four will put a second scenario. So the book will come with two complete scenarios and that will be an original work by Chad Bowser. Nice. Very cool. So we've got details on it, uh, a little bit of teaser on it on the Kickstarter page. Um, I won't attempt his Latin title of the scenario because <laughs> I will just butcher it and embarrass myself, but it's a tale of plague, death, life, in that order, and possibly redemption. Hmm. All right, I did see that up there. That's pretty cool. Yeah, I'm. I'm as as a fan of Chad's work and the setting. Uh, I'm really looking forward to seeing an original, uh, an original scenario from him. And right. it's it's all he's already hard at work on it. Cool. You know? I'm, I'm sure you guys will hit that stretch goal. No, no problem. <laughs> uh, yeah, no pressure. The poor guy's already got it mostly written. <laughs> but, um, you know, if you want to have things come out in a timely fashion, sometimes you have to gamble that you're going to make these stretch goals and you start working on them um, 
And a lot of, we have a lot of authors who are willing to take that leap of faith. Uh, the stretch goal we've been trying to reach for a few days now, that book's already written. You know, 10 authors wrote short stories, an editor put together the collection, a cover artist drew the cover. Um, and they're all on the, you know, they're all like, if this doesn't fund, we just wasted a whole lot of time. <laughs> um, and I will feel absolutely terrible, but, you know, it looks, you know, it, we're pretty confident it'll fund. So, all right. Thank goodness for that. Yeah. <laughs> Um, th so this isn't really a reskinning of, of the previous iterations of Invictus. No, you, no, you guys no. are completely rebuilding. We are, yeah, we are rebuilding it from the ground up. We are, I'm not, I'm not even really referencing the old, I mean, one, I know the rules pretty, you know, I know the, for that book pretty backwards and forwards, but you know, the book was a monograph and then it was a main book and we don't want to sell people a book that they've already read twice. You know, we don't want, you know, to, to just re, you know, rehash what they've already had. So this is a, a line by line new, you know, new version of the game, um, you know, in the spirit of, of what's been created already, you know, we're not, uh, you know, we're not, gutting it we're, we're not changing you know it's six ways to sunday but you know we've played a lot of cthulhu invictus and you know the things that we've learned in playing it for over 10 years um we're bringing a lot of that uh to the the new rule set to you know make it more you know make it accessible um allow people who don't have a good grasp of of history um, you know, to welcome them into it so that they don't feel intimidated by it, which is one of the, the things we run into a lot, that people are intimidated to place in such a iconic historical setting. But really, I, I think it's no harder than playing in the 1920s. It's once you, once you start being a Roman citizen in game, you realize how very similar they, they were to people in our own day and age. Um, so the mindset is is very similar. Hmm. Yeah, it's just picking up all the little nuances of a different, uh, you know, different time period. And, you know, once you get, you know, a couple of games under your belt, you know, it's it's like starting a new character in any system. It takes you a couple of couple of sessions to kind of get a really feel for, you know, who the character is and sort of like what's going on with the world. Right. And then every once in a while, something will happen and it'll completely knock you back <laughs> on your... It's like uh, we had a, a at the play test last week. We were the the player was rather you know he was well off, and he had to go off somewhere by himself. And I said, well, you know, someone at your status level is entitled to own you know between two and six slaves. Um. So do you own any slaves? And he was like. He just had to stop and think, you know, what, the, right. you know, what the, he goes and take himself out of that. And then we created a slave NPC who then went with him on, on this errand. But it was that moment where we were like, yeah, this is a thing. This is not even an <laughs> odd thing. It would be an odd thing for a person of his wealth and status not to have slaves in his house. Sure. So he had to step out of that. And then, you know, we had the conversation, you know, how old is she? 
And he said, oh, I, I, I have her here with her children. And I said, I had to stop him and said, most slaves didn't have children because their children would be slaves. In ancient Rome, a slave had a good idea that he might one day earn his freedom or be freed in your will. So if she did want to start a family, she'd probably wait until she became freed. And he was like, oh, okay, great. You know, because it's like, I guess he felt weird that he was going to keep this slave from having a family. And I'm like, no, that's actually worse. Yeah. <laughs> and I said, you could have her with her children, but you would have had to buy her with her children. And he was like, no, 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 no. <laughs> like this far, no further. And just in that little bit of role play, we all learned something about Roman society and the Roman mindset and, and ourselves you know, what we, what we felt acceptable. And that's what I think is, mm. is part of the magic of, of, of Cthulhu Invictus. You know, you, you live the history as you play. As, you know, of course, when you're, you know, tracking down cultists and monsters and, and, and ghosts and, you know, all of that, you know, threats to the empire from, you know, beyond our dimension. Right. Well, and, and that's interesting that that, that, specific thing came up because I mean, you know, it's sort of like the, you know, what would be the inherent racism of the twenties, which, you know, obviously you can completely gloss over, you know, just playing around the table with your buddies, but, you know, depending on character choices and things like that could be something that comes up specifically in game that then maybe, you know, uh, generates a, a side conversation and sort of a step out of the game. So it's, it, it's interesting that that would, you know, sort of come because you wouldn't necessarily think, like, oh, we're going to play Romans. It's cool, whatever. But then, like, that weird thing comes up, and you're like, ooh, okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They'll, they'll be those weird things. Um, it's, it's a world before the Judeo-Christian value really took a hold of people's minds. Hmm. So, you know, things like institutionalized slavery are, are not really frowned upon. You know, things like the you know public execution of prisoners, not really frowned upon. Um, you know, uh, fluid sexuality, not really a big thing. Uh, you know, divorce, not really a big thing. Um, pretty common, actually. Um, so in a lot of ways, it will be very accessible to people today. Uh, and surprisingly so. All right. Oh, um, I am uh, responding to Tom in the chat. <laughs> okay. He's our... Stalwart companion. Oh, he asked what what Invictus was. So I Roman era Cthulhu, and uh, we're just kind of going back and forth. It's very distracting. <laughs> okay. it, it is. Hey, Tom. It is. It is. It is call of. It is cosmic horror investigative role playing um, in the time of the Roman Empire, specifically during the Antonine period, the age of the five good empires, Rome's golden age. If you even want to be more specific, I usually write in the fifth or sixth year of the reign of, of Antonius Pius, which is cool. the fourth of the five good emperors. All right. Tom says he likes that, so thumbs up from Tom. Right. <laughs> hope, uh, hope to see you in the empire, Tom. Yeah. <laughs> God knows we need you for all the crap we've got planned. <laughs> so uh, are, is everything... So it's, it's seventh edition for Cthulhu Invictus. Or is the rule set the same? Like, you know, it's seventh, but is there anything that's tweaked specifically for Invictus or is it essentially just the same rule set? It, it's, 
we've we've added to it. We're not really changing. There are some optional rules that you can use. Um, I've got a really nasty little optional rule on infection uh, mm. for healing uh, because historically you'd hear about some general that literally he got a flesh wound on on the battlefield, won a great victory, and he died seven days later of an infection. Um, and it happened all the time. So yeah. we've got a, a you know set of rules for that. The combat's a, a little different. Um, because you know you it's more pulpy you have shield blocking and and weapon parry and there's a new the seventh edition now has a new variable armor protection rating so instead of that suit of chainmail absorbing you know seven six points it now absorbs 1d6 points every attack hmm. um, which really solves one of the problems we've had usually, when someone would play like a legionnaire, they'd be in that full suit. And unless you scored more than eight points of damage, they were invulnerable. Hmm. Now that same protection is 1d8. So every round, if they roll badly, you know, they may get one or two or three points of damage sneaking through the cracks in their armor, the weak points. So they are no longer invincible. So even against low-level foes, prolonged combat is now absolutely deadly. Hmm. Um, so the whole tank phenomenon of a heavily armored Invictus character has now been completely taken off the board by the new 7th edition rules. And I have to tell you, I am thrilled. It is really the only thing that I felt really needed some tweaking and because of the the seventh edition and what uh what chad and and mike mason put together in through the ages uh that's no longer a, a problem so yeah uh a lot of my heavily armored tanks are, are not gonna you know they, they're gonna have a new worldview you know new worldview they may they may be taking hold of religion a little bit more yeah yeah well then, and it makes sense too in, in, in combat, you know, cause they're wearing the grease. So legs are exposed. Like there's lots of parts that are exposed that makes that more, you know, more realistic for, you know, a role-playing game. Right. Right. And there's always that lucky slingstone shot, you know, gets, mm -hmm. get, gets right, you know, right in that proper <laughs> level and clocks you forget the helmet, forget the, you know, so it, it, it really is going to make people think twice, but even when fully armored and armed, it's going to make them think twice about getting into a fight, which mm -hmm. is what you want. I mean, the, the core of call of Cthulhu is that it is not an upward power spiral. It is a, a downward spiral. Um, you know, Life is a very fragile thing. Um, and even in full armor in Cthulhu Invictus, life is still now a very fragile thing. Um, right. And that's the core of heroics. I mean, anyone can be uh, you know, heroic if they know they're, they're going to survive. No Call of Cthulhu player ever starts a scenario completely assured that they're going to live to the end of it. <laughs> and that's, that's the way it should be. Right, right. Um, are the skills the same or did you have to refinagle the skills at all? We, we refinagle the skills a bit. Um, we, we've combined civics and empire into one skill. Um, we've added oratory 
which is another social interactive skill. And that's basically the art of, of public speaking. That's, that's you're really good in court and at dinner parties. <laughs> um, it doesn't matter if you're telling the truth or not, you're just speaking it well, um, which is something the Romans really, really liked. So that's going to come into play for influencing large numbers of people, um, as in a court or talking down a mob or swaying a group of, of you know, panicky soldiers to stand their ground. So that that whole epic Roman speech, you know, that 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 mon that you know that monologue um, is now a a, a a formal skill. Um, and I think we have we have a, an optional rule for um, for bilingual characters. Um, if somebody's playing someone from the provinces, you know, from Britannia or from North Africa, or you know, from from the Middle East. You know, there's a chance they grew up speaking Aramaic and Latin or Brythonic and Latin or, you know, or Carthaginian and Latin. Right. Um, so if they, you know, come from a bilingual home, they can if that that's part of their character background, they can split their own language and speak Latin a little worse and still get some point in their in their native tongue. It's just a, a, a slight tweak to kind of let people build their character in a more dynamic way. But so there, there are some changes, but they're not dramatic. Um, one thing that we now have is uh, also um, st uh, status and infamy, because there are professions that you could be very, very famous and very, very wealthy and still not liked um, like actors and gladiators. You know, you could be, uh, you know, you know, basically a gladiator he could be famous he or she could be famous and admired and the object of of, of desire and admiration but they're still they're an infamous they, right. they have no social status they're you know lower than prostitutes so um so some groups don't start with status they flip it and they have infamy points and what we're also doing now is the only way to go up in status is to get it as keeper rewards at the end of the scenario. You don't, you don't roll. Like if you make a successful status roll <clears throat> in the old game, you would roll that as if you made any other skill check. Right. But because now status is tied to wealth and reputation, if you don't successfully finish that adventure, word will get out that you that you failed. Um, you're not going to have the support of wealthy patrons. You're not going to have the admiration of the mob. So you're not going to be gaining any status points. Right. So well, that makes sense. Living, so living and defending your reputation, expanding your reputation is the only way to better yourself. Right. Cool. Well, and that leads me into the next question is, you know, status you know, you have credit rating in 1920s or, or you know, even Delta Green, things like that. And eh, whatever, like it's, it's, it almost never, in my experience, it has come into play. And, you know, unless someone's playing a very, uh, you know, like a hobo or something, like it's just not really an issue. But for Invictus, I would imagine that plays a huge role in the way the game oh, plays from, that is an from the very top to the very bottom. <laughs> I'm going to say this right now. 
to everyone who's, who's going to be joining us in the Empire for 7th edition, save some character points for status. <laughs> um, to Literally, the whole thing about the 1%, in the Roman Empire, it was like the one-tenth of the 1% have almost all of the wealth. So to be anything but like really struggling, you're going to need at least to invest 40 or 50 points in status. Mm -hmm. um, anyone who's going to say, yeah, I'll start with base. You're going to be homeless. <laughs> I'm Literally, it's like literally, zero to nine, you know, one to nine in status is, is pauper. Um, mm -hmm. You have no home. You have no job. You have no, the only way you're not starting, the only reason you're not starving is you're on the public grain dole. Right. right. Um, and then, you know, you have poor, not much better. Then you have lower middle class. You're struggling. You have a job, but you're struggling just as much because you're no longer, you know, entitled to public assistance. Um, so the first three brackets for status are really difficult to live with um, and right. survive in. But it, it's, it's almost funny because we were talking about it and, and, you know, saying, you know, the only way you can gain status is by going on successful adventures. So it almost seems like becoming a Cthulhu investigator is a way to better your station in life. And my reply was, do you know how many poor provincials joined the army for exactly that reason? They were just trying to, you know, stay alive and better their situation. So yeah, you know, that that's part of the whole dynamic of surviving in Rome. Um, we have a, we have a, ch a little section called, you know, the, we say it in Latin, so it sounds cool, but it translates to the struggle is real. Right. And, and just basically the, the feeding yourself, um, if you want to role play it is, is, and if you're, you know, investing time in your campaign, it's going to be really interesting. Like the play test. Now we have three characters, two of them have enough status that they've got, you know, they're comfortable and the other person didn't invest that many points. <laughs> um, so he's like their their friend who gambled away all his money and had a few bad divorces, and you know now he's hustling. Um, <laughs> and that just happened as we're playing, and they look at him like, he goes, so where do I fall? And I'm like, if you would have invested 10 more points, you'd be okay. <laughs> but right now you're in this bracket. And he goes, oh! And, you know, so he's mooching off his friends. Which is fine, you know, but it's going to make uh, character choices in a group more important because maybe not everybody wants to spend a lot of points in their status, but you need that one guy to be the money. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, so Tom wants to know, can you be a merchant or like a, like a minstrel sort of thing? And I will also tag on, could, do you have the choice to play as a slave? Could you do that? Yes, slave is a profession, and we do have some some guidelines and tips on how to play that successfully. We do have merchant as a profession. We do have entertainer as a profession. We have uh, courtesan as a profession, <laughs> um, which is another kind of entertainer. We have gladiators, uh, but now we've divided gladiators into heavy and light, and we've listed uh, six different types of gladiator. So instead of one profession, gladiator has been parceled out into one profession with six minor specializations. Um, 
which is like, you know, Retarius and, and, and um, Mermello and, and that sort of thing. But there are a lot of uh, a lot of choices. I think we have 50 professions in the book at this point. Wow. That's quite a few. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We had a lot of fun with this. Cool. Uh, and, a, and a lot of them are, you know, uh, military and, and they're more for the provinces. We've got things like Druid. Oh, nice. Um, we've got things like, uh, you know, like soothsayers from, from the outer provinces and, you know, the ones you would, you would really recognize like, uh, oh, we've also broken up legionarian centurion into two professions now based on status. Cause lead centurions are like the officers and legionaries. They're just trying to get their 20 years and keep their head down and get out of latrine right. duty. So we've got, we've broken that up as well um like once we took a look at status and tied it to professions it opened up so so much but yeah one of my uh one of my hardcore playtest group um he's been playing his merchant for maybe about six years in our home campaign and at this point that son of a bitch has contacts all over the empire <laughs> uh, his luck hasn't run out yet you know? yeah <laughs> That's cool. Um, what so? What other what are the things you have planned for the line? Obviously, we have the Kickstarter going on now, so that that'll be the first book. You've got uh, you know some fiction uh, add-on stuff uh, associated with this particular Kickstarter. What else do you have going forward? Uh, forward beyond this project, or is uh, stretch goals for it? Uh, beyond the project. Beyond the project. Um, people who back at a at the upper levels will get a vote to determine which of the first three settings books we produce. Um, and those three choices are Britannia and, and beyond, which is the province of Britain with notes on Caledonia and Hibernia, which is Scotland and the barbarian lands of, of Scotland and Ireland, which are, mm. you know, uh, the other one is the North African provinces, which go from, you know, Egypt, all the way across to um, the, the west coast of Spain, which would be, you know, the old Carthaginian territories and Mauritania and, and that sort of thing. And then we have the exotic east, which will be um, Judea, Palestinia, Parthia, Armenia, um, that sort of thing. So those are going to be setting books with uh, one or two scenarios set in them, a few new monsters, a few new cults, um, you know, descriptions of the provinces, their capitals. But we actually don't know which of those three books we're putting out first. When the Kickstarter ends, the backers who back at that level will get a vote. Basically, we couldn't decide which one we wanted to do. And we said, you know what, let's leave it up to the Senate. Let the <laughs> Senate decide. There you um, go. So everybody who backed at a level, level of like Senator and above, get a vote. Um, That's really cool. Yeah. Yeah. We thought it'd be a, a fun way to, to kind of let the fans decide where we're going to go from here, but we've got authors set lined up for each one. Um, we haven't, we haven't, we've told them not to start writing because you know, yeah. <laughs> like, please don't write anything yet. Uh, but, but a few of them are already started doing research. So we'll see how it goes. Cool. Uh, will any of the work from the original monograph be republished? Yes. Um, 
we as as now that we're controlling the line we've been given permission to reprint any cthulhu invictus stuff previously put out by chaosium so long as the author agrees to it sure sure and and since i'm the author of a lot of it um, <laughs> a lot of my old scenarios are being are going to be updated for seventh edition and, and other scenarios we're going to cut in touch with the authors about that as well so actually a scenario i wrote called blood and glory uh many years ago in a, i think the gods hate me or it might have been one of the uh, Halloween uh, things. I don't even remember. But uh, one of one of my biggest fans was like, if you can do that, please rewrite Blood and Glory. Um, so I got a hold of it. And that part is actually done. That's what we're playtesting now. The seventh edition expanded version of, of Blood and Glory. Um, and it's going really well. So, yeah, there are there's a bunch of Cthulhu Invictus stuff out there that we're going to be able to upgrade and, and, and re-release with, uh, you know, proper editing and new art, new maps and seventh edition conversion and, uh, you know, formal edits and probably, uh, some considerable expansion, but all of that stuff may see a rebirth. We're hoping that a lot of people coming to Cthulhu Invictus are new fans who haven't seen this material before. And a lot of the old fans really want to see new, updated, and expanded versions of this material they're already familiar with so they can run it uh, for their new players. Sure. That makes sense. Um, Tom wants to know, is there any sort of an uh, Orient expansion uh, in the future? And, and I forget my history, uh, how much contact there may or may not have been between, you know, Rome and, and parts. Well, the... Uh, the the one of the three setting books, uh, the Exotic East, is the Roman end of the is the Roman side of the Silk Road, which links okay. up to the Exotic East. So, at only have plans to get to the the border of Parthia, you know, to get to Syria, which again is is the Exotic East. If if Tom is talking about the Far East. Yeah, yeah, I think uh, so. Yeah. Meaning, uh, God, what did they call it? I think it was like the the kingdom. Uh, anyway, um, I know they called India the the like uh, the Tamanir lands, or I've actually looked it up and written it. Do we have plans to go into Roman era India and China? Not currently, um, but you never know. I think it would. You know, Rome did have trading outposts in India. You know, they did have traders um, in contact with uh, with China. So it's, it's entirely possible. Hmm. Cool. Uh, how much how much time did you have to spend? And, and I guess this has been, you know, sort of a lifelong thing here at this point. But but how much time did you spend doing research into Roman history and, and customs and, and all these different kinds of things? Over the years, I can't imagine how much research I've done. Uh, every scenario I wrote was usually some piece of Roman society or history or, or, or an event, some anecdote that kind of grabbed my attention. And I learned as much as I could about it when I was writing that scenario. So over the years, I've learned, you know, more than your average person. Um, yeah. <laughs> more, more, more than your average non-academic. Uh, let me let me firmly state that so I don't offend the people who actually went to school for things like history and Latin. Mm -hmm. um, I, you know, 
one of our one of our uh, mottos here is I have no professional training. Um, <laughs> but no, I've so yeah, I've I've kind of uh, become a, a Roman history nerd over the years. Cool. All right. Well, we'll take a, a slight diversion here. I know you're uh, you're pretty much a coffee fiend yourself, right? Oh, <laughs> I run on the stuff. <laughs> nice. So uh, I know we've had John before. We, we've talked about Bird's Coffee before. Have you ever given it a try? I have not. Um, um, I was given a gift of 10 pounds of coffee beans when we took over the license. So that, nice. will, that will keep me, that, that's <laughs> kept the Goblin Lair pretty stocked. Um, it will run out. It, um, we're more than halfway through it already. But um, oh, I'm actually, yeah, it's, it's been rough. Um, but, you know, when, when that starts to dwindle, I'm really looking forward to giving them a, uh, giving them a try. Especially, you know, I remember on our last, on the last time I was on, they were saying uh, it'll be ground, it'll be ground one day and shipped out to you the next Yep. Yep. It, it's so they're roasted, uh, roasted in ground and then sh- that that caught my attention. Yep. Absolutely. So uh, Legends O'Neill, also the uh, the host of the Two Black Eyes podcast, is a uh, a small uh, craft coffee roaster. Um, it's it's like you said, it, it's roasted to order. So you put in an order on a Monday, and you know he's in there roasting on a Friday, and it's coming to you in the mail. So it's about as fresh as can be. Um, I prefer myself. Uh, I drink the uh, the night owl blend. It's the only coffee that I buy now, uh, so I, I splurge a little bit on that because it's absolutely fantastic. Um, but it's so their their signature blend showcase the amazing breadth and depth of flavors coffee has to offer. Um, the night owl blend is a rich, deep cup of coffee with notes of smooth caramel, decadent cocoa, and bittersweet molasses with just a touch of acidity to clean the palate so you're ready for your next sip. Uh, you can check out all the Bird's Coffees at birdscoffeecompany.com. You could tell them that we sent you. doesn't get you anything extra, but, you know, it'd be nice to know where people are coming from, so that would be cool. You get one extra bean in every bag. <laughs> And uh, and keep your eyes peeled. There may be something legendary coming from Bird soon. We hope we're uh, working on something, you know, behind the scenes there, or maybe not so behind the scenes. But uh, it's funny. One of the one of the odd one of the things I'm writing currently that's not ancient Rome um, is a modern scenario uh, called Poetry Night set in a coffee house. Hmm. So cool. yeah, I, I've written I think four or five scenarios that coffee features very 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 heavily <laughs> I've, got one, cool. I've got one set on a coffee plantation i've got one in a 1920s coffee house this is now a modern hipster kind of artist enclave coffee house um <laughs> i just keep coming back to it uh, well, it's a cool place to hang out yeah <laughs> especially if they're serving birds coffee <laughs> maybe uh, i'll maybe i'll work him in there you go. Hey, we work them into our fear itself campaign. Every time the guys come over to the house, we're having birds coffee. <laughs> cool. Cool. Yeah. You got to, you got to plug away. Um, uh, Tom, Tom's asking while we're talking about coffee. Uh, what was, so I know you'd mentioned the, 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 the time period. Is that uh, AD, BC? Uh, how close to it's, AD it's or after? About, is that? It's about the one, the, the one forties AD. Okay. 
but you can run the game in any period you want. You can run it, you know, late Republic, early Empire, middle Empire. Um, if if you're fascinated, you know, with the later periods of Roman history, you can run it then. Um, we're writing it for you know around this period because it's Rome at its height. It's you know at its at its greatest border at the height of its power. Um, so it's an easy target to land sure. in. Um, but again, if if people has they want to play during the reign of Antonine, or they want to play during the reign of reign of Nero, you know the Mad Emperor Nero, and feature the fire, you know the Great Fire of Rome, they can definitely set it whenever they want. Okay, so it's, you, it's their ahead. game. Right, right. You're providing a toolbox, and you know people can kind of play in that sandbox how they however they want to. Right, right. Cool. Uh, Alberto Guerrera is the uh, artist for the project, the yeah. sole artist for the project. Um, actually, no longer the sole artist for the project. We've, we're going to be having Ruben Dodd do some spot artwork. Oh, nice. So um, things like here are examples of what all the armors look like. Here are examples of what the swords look like. You know, here are the helmets. This is what an amphora looks like. Like those little bits of art that are going to be examples of items. Uh, Ruben's going to be handling that. Um, as, as soon as he stops, as soon as he's done with the cover and uh, interior art for a whole nother project that we're <laughs> launching next month. Um, so, yeah, a lot of balls in the air. Nice. Well, but no, is going to be our, our, he's our cover artist. He's our primary illustrator um, for the interiors. If we get to stretch goal five, which is a uh, collection of 18 NPCs, he's actually doing a character portrait of every one of the 18 NPCs, uh, 18 uh, pre-gens. Um, so yeah, he's going to feature Pranam. You know, he's going to, he's going to be all over this. He's gonna be he busy. did all the, yeah, he did. He's, done the art he did the art for the legacy of arius lurko he did the art for dahara cosmico you know he's a, a great artist very easy to work with um and he he knows the history he knows the costumes of the period um and he can draw monsters so it's kind of like you know your reese's peanut butter cup of illustrators for this project sure that's cool um, so we, you know, we talked a little bit about the history in the beginning. What, what is it about Invictus that really captures your imagination? Well, I think like every role player, I started in a fantasy setting. I played a lot of, you know, second edition, the first edition, second edition, um, was all over the Forgotten Realms and Greyhawk. Um, you know, and then I moved into cosmic horror gaming. Um, but there was, you know, there's always that part of you that really longs for that sword on your hip, you know, handful of gold coins, you know, grabbing a shield, going into a tavern, hearing about a monster in the woods and going off to investigate that. Um, mm -hmm. And in Cthulhu Invictus, you get to do both. You get to still investigate cosmic horror in an unforgiving universe where you're insignificant and your life is cheap and combat's probably going to kill you. So you're nervous every freaking time. <laughs> every time somebody says roll a 10, you know, a Call of Cthulhu player's heart just kind of starts to like, Oh no. Um, so you get that, you know, you get the cosmic horror game that you love, but you also get all of that, you know, sword and combat and sorcery that you grew up loving. 
because the Romans were a very superstitious people. Um, it's not that they, they, they believed in magic. They had a firm belief in magic and the gods. You know, they believed if certain rituals weren't followed, you could incur the wrath of the gods and, and, and threaten the stability of the empire. You know, it, I, I've said this a couple of times. If in 1920s, if you say that person is, is a witch, they're going to think that you're crazy. Um, in, in Cthulhu Invictus, if you go to the authorities and say that person is a witch and they say, that's a serious accusation, what proof do you have? <laughs> and, if, and if you can prove it, they'll drag her into court, put her on trial. If she's found guilty, she may wind up with two live rats in a sack tied to her head and thrown in the Tiber. Um, yeah. So it, it's, it's not that far-fetched. You know, you go into a town and they, you know, oh, there's a monster, you know, there, there's these, you know, there's a cyclops. He's eating all of our livestock. You know, nobody's yeah. like, well, that's, you know, well, probably, maybe, you know, you say that in the 1920s, they're, they're locking you up. You say that in Cthulhu, you know, in the Roman Empire, they probably won't believe you, but they're, they're not going to go up there alone. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, they're going to take a look around and they're going to go armed because there could be some creature up in the mountains. Um, so it's kind of that Reese's peanut butter cup of every type of role playing I ever loved <laughs> without ray guns. Cause I like sci-fi too, but, <laughs> and, and actually I had a ray gun in legacy Varius Lurko. It was an elder thing, lightning gun. So ha, I've got it all. <laughs> um, and you know, cosmic horror is kind of sci-fi gaming. Cause you have, you know, aliens and and weird science and and mystical technologies sure um so really it is everything i've ever loved about role-playing in one game that's cool i never looked at it that way that that's really cool <laughs> well i've i've like i said I've, i i'm 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 you know preaching from the pulpit no one loves this game i i would put money that no one loves this game more than me yeah cool well, and that, that's awesome that you that you guys are able to, uh, you know, secure the license for that, and then you know, kind of make it really make it your own now, and and you know, yeah. be the steward of that. Um, we we're as surprised as everyone else. <laughs> it, <laughs> it, it was not something we campaigned for. It was not something we were looking to do. But hell yeah, we were jumping at the chance when that door was open. It did not need to be open long. <laughs> just just right. a crack. Like a cat that wants to get outside, you know. Mm -hmm. I just, I, really, you, really, where do we sign? No thought of how we were going to do it, but oh damn it, we are going to do. We're going to find a way to do this. Right. All right. So, well, so with that being said, uh, how does that affect other projects that you guys had planned already for 2017 before kind of this bombshell is like, here you go, this is all yours so now. So you remember how I said I had 10 pounds of coffee and we're more than halfway through it. Mm -hmm. There's a correlation between this. Um, we're, we're, we're actually bringing in uh, new editors. Uh, we're working with more authors. Um, we're having, we, well, for the first time we've started working with project managers, having people just help us keep track of projects um, we've compartmentalized, like we have one person who's kind of heading up the fiction. We have one person, you know, other people who are more, more RPG people. Um, we have 
so we're, we're, we're branching it out. Um, so we're expanding our home team a little bit and we're learning to manage our time a little bit better um, to, to make these projects a little bit uh, more streamlined on ourselves. And, uh, and, you know, we are training up new people to help with, uh, with new projects, but we're really, and God help us. We're not, we're not scaling back anything. Um, so the, the new Cthulhu Invictus license really means we've got more opportunities to, to entertain the fans. Um, we're not, we're not scaling you back. I mean, we're at this point, we have a plan to, we have plans to do four Kickstarters this year, which is crazy, which is absolutely crazy. <laughs> but one of them is a fiction Kickstarter. And one of them is going to be a, a one week Kickstarter in, um, at the end of March, it's a part of a special promotion. Uh, Kickstar uh, Kickstarter is going to be launching for one week campaigns. Um, and the other one is in the summer. So we're going to be taking some breaks, but, but yeah, it's, it's going to be a pretty full uh, production schedule this year. Cool. All right. Uh, Tom also wanted to know what's the difficulty level for new players. Is there a, a different curve for Invictus as opposed to say 1920s or is it, it's essentially the same game. It's the same curve. Um, yeah. It's the same curve. You can do everything right in the 1920s and one bad roll, you're dead. Yeah. Same, same's true for uh, Invictus. You know, you can you can mouth off to that cop or mobster. You know, and a cop and a mobster in ancient Rome is just going to be as pissed off as the 1920s. <laughs> um, so no, you 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 need to. Like any cosmic horror investigative game, you're going to need to play smart. Um, but it's no bigger or worse learning curve than the learning curve of learning to play a cosmic horror investigative game. Sure, um, sure. So if you've been playing Call of Cthulhu, it's going to seem very comfortable surprisingly quick. Okay. Uh, he, he was also wondering, are there... Monsters other than just the Cthulhu mythos, or are there other, you know, uh, demigods, pegasi, any kind of other like we have, mythological? We've, we've streamlined the list down to um, twenty-five iconic creatures from Greek and Roman mythology that we are statting out and and reinventing cosmic horror versions of them. Nice, um, and it. it we're, we're actually working on that now. I've brought in um, some other authors to pitch me ideas for, uh, here's the list. <clears throat> and it's, you know, Griffin, Manticore, Basilisk, uh, you know, Mer, you know, Mer, you know, Merman and, uh, you know, Hydra. And it's a, you know, a list of all of these iconic things. Give me your cosmic horror mythos take. You know, this is what mythology says. What's the, dark cosmic horror truth of what these creatures actually are. <laughs> um, like, yeah, the myth of these creatures is not what they really are. That's what people make up to explain what they saw. Um, but what are they really? So we're, we've got some very creative people working really hard to give some interesting and original takes on these I iconic creatures. Um, and I'm really happy that I, you know, that we're bringing in other people so they can get, uh, you know, we can get more of a chorus of, of what these creatures are. 
Cool. So, so far of the 25, I think that we've got uh, maybe five or 10. We've got some firm concepts on them, but that's the, that's the chapter we're currently working on. Okay. Uh, this was, and I, I don't know if this is just like a semantic thing, but as I was going through the Kickstarter, uh, some of the levels, it says that there's a, a physical copy provided. And then on another level, it said that there was a print on demand option. Is that the same thing or is there a difference between those two things? The, the physical copy will be mailed from New York, from our printer in the Midwest. Um, the print on demand copies will be printed in the UK and shipped from there. Um, that's because the international shipping rate has just become ruinous for small business. Yeah. And um, it's, it's, it's really very, very difficult to, to, very expensive to ship things overseas at this point. So the print on demand, and there's, I think, two levels of print on demand, um, was a response to our international fans. Um, really, a lot of them having difficulty with with the shipping rates and it's it's something i completely understand and sympathize with and you know i've tried to accommodate uh their concerns as much as possible so uh we're going to be going with lightning source they've just done some amazing work with stygian fox uh the things we leave behind everyone was very happy with their print on demand copies i know i was um i got a couple of copies of that myself so we feel comfortable um, using them we're going to be sending out print-on-demand copies of tales of the caribbean as soon as the files are approved and um and they're going to be uh we're you know sending out the copies of seventh edition guide to cthulhu invictus to all of our print-on-demand backers um and we're probably going to be using print-on-demand more and more as we move forward especially for our international fans. Okay. Well, that makes sense. Yeah. Like you said, chipping is a real bitch. So, <laughs> Oh yeah, it is. It is ruinous. Yeah. Yeah. It costs you as much as the book probably just in the shipping itself. And in some cases more, I'm afraid, especially if you get lots of little items that weigh more and you're ordering multiple books, you know, they, they, they do charge it by weight. Yeah. So the, the packages that are, you know, two and three books, you know, those are pretty expensive to ship. Yeah, yeah. Well, so for 25 bucks, people can get in all digital, uh, all digital, digital rewards. Uh, 40 bucks will get you physical copy. So it's, it's not, you know, like and super you get all, expensive. And you get all the, and, and you get all the digital at 40. Yep, yep. You get a digital uh, copy of the fiction, and if we get the pre-gens, the pre-gens, and, you know, whatever else we've got coming. Yep. There's some, some cool stre uh, stretch goals that have already been reached, a couple of more coming up. Uh, there's some add-on things here for other fiction and other and other other items. So, I mean, it's it's a no-brainer to get in the back. And, I mean, if you're a Cthulhu player, like like Oscar, you, you've got me sold in, in your, you know, why you, you love it so much makes me love it now, too. <laughs> <laughs> oh, good. I look, I look forward to rolling some dice with you. <laughs> <laughs> well, at, at, it's funny you should say because uh, Necronomicon is going to be coming up here uh, in a couple of months, and I'm and I'm sure we're going to try to put something together so we can, uh, you know, get some kind of gaming in, maybe uh, Legends After Hours kind of thing. We, mm -hmm. I, I have, I have myself and two other authors working on five different uh, 
two-hour Cthulhu Invictus demos that we're going to be running um, at Kineticon uh, in Connecticut in July, um, at Necronomicon in August, and in uh, Vermont in uh, November at Carnage. Um, and, you know, probably a game store in Rochester. Um, we're, we're still working out the details, but uh, we're, we're, we really like to do uh, two-hour demos so that when we do appearances at cons, we can kind of introduce Cthulhu Invictus to as many people as possible. Cool. cool. That definitely sounds like a good time. I, I have some people in mind already that we could get around the table. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Yeah, I look forward to playing that. Cool. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, do you have any uh, any big plans for Necronomicon coming up? Anything uh, you're doing differently this time than as opposed to last time? Any you know uh, panel submissions? I'm sure you're going to be running some games. We got we're, we're a party. party to look forward to. Like party. <laughs> oh yeah, we're, we're we're hoping to find a, a way to do the the room party without security becoming involved. Um, <laughs> we're working on that. Well, I just have to pay them off. Yeah, we may just have to pay them off. Um, well, you know, I'm going to be running demos. I'm going to be uh, involved in some panels. Um, we're, we're hoping to get a few authors to to do a... a <laughs> I, I have to contact people and see if they're willing to do this. Um, we did last Necronomicon, you know, our, our top picks for the best beginner scenario. Um, we're hoping that we'll get a group of art of authors together, you know, scenario authors together to do a panel called the worst thing I ever wrote, <laughs> um, which would be, you know, the, that one, everybody has that one thing that they wrote that they look back on and be like, Oh God, what was I think? You know, and I think it'd be very humorous to get a bunch of authors on stage and own up to their, their worst scenario. And why, you know, like, and, and, and try and defend, you know, their mindset at that moment. Um, I, I think a lot of them would have a sense of humor that they would want to take part in it. That is definitely a panel I would check out. That sounds like a good time. <laughs> you know, they've got that show, you know, the best thing I ever ate, you know, like, you know, the worst thing I ever wrote. Let's, <laughs> let's have that conversation. I think that'd be right. pretty funny. I like that idea. Um, and Did, definitely uh, I want to take part in a, you know, uh, discussion on diversity in the mythos because uh, that's a big part of, of Golden Goblin Press and, and everything we produce. Mm -hmm. Heroes of Red Hook. Uh, yes. not, you know. Well, so. not only that, it's like all of the Tales of series, you know, Tales of yeah. New Orleans, Tales of uh, Tales of the Caribbean, and we are <laughs> we, we, we've got pitches and an, and an accepted contract from Chaosium to produce Tales of the Pacific. Mm-hmm. Cool. Which, if we don't completely implode by the fall, um, <laughs> may be our late 2017, early 2018 Kickstarter. Okay. All right, but well, I may we'll, be, we'll I may be that by then, so who knows? <laughs> cool. Um, shit, I had a question I forgot now already. Um, oh, Man, that, we, <laughs> go ahead. No, go ahead. I was going to say, what do you think about them? Uh, I know they try to schedule the con as close as they can to uh, to Lovecraft's birthday. What What do you think about them scheduling, you know, right during Gen Con for this year? Uh, I'm fine with it. 
and that's gonna be that's gonna be the minority opinion. Um, yeah, I'm already. I'm, I'm I'm a I'm a pretty type A angry person, so um, just trying to get through booking a room for Gen Con oh, is yeah. en- is enough to put me off going to that con for for health reasons. Um, because the last time I tried to do room assignment, I, I pretty much imploded um, at my computer. Uh, <laughs> I'm surprised the police weren't called. I was cursing so bad. And this was this was like maybe five or six years ago. I mean, yeah. now it's even worse. Um, so now I don't really have a problem with uh, <laughs> Necronomicon and Gen Con being at the same time i mean for me it's it's a no-brainer um yeah. uh, we're gonna lose we're gonna lose scott this year probably we're gonna lose ken i mean we got some notables that uh you know are not gonna make the, the you know the literary conference in, in lieu of you know making money <laughs> so it'll be easier for us to get a good table at that awesome burger joint right across the way <laughs> there you go <laughs> Uh, cool. yeah, I'm definitely looking forward to it. Yeah, yeah, I, I certainly am. Got my room all worked out, and you know, we're we're starting to figure out what games and panels we're running. So it's it's forming up. We we have a submittal for two panels ourselves this year. So uh, what are you guys running? Uh, we're looking at a um, technology and gaming. So like, okay. you know, Roll20, Google Hangouts, you know, Dice apps, like all those crazy kind of things. And uh, the other one was um, like a podcasting 101. Oh, well, yeah, you're qualified. I, I'd like to think so, but, you know, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> so, yeah, we, you know, so we got like initial, you know, like, hey, you guys made it past the first hurdle and, you know, we'll sort of see, see how things yeah. shake out. So yeah, we're, we're uh... We're sort of like, uh, yeah, here's here's what not to do. <laughs> well, trust me, what not to do is is really what's going to save some people some heartache. Yeah, if, if you pave the way with your mistakes, people can learn. Right, learn if you can learn from other people's mistakes. Exactly. Well done. So we're not we're not too proud. <laughs> yeah one one panel that I'm planning to run at in Kineticon, but probably not Necronomicon, um, is something I'm toying with called um, the Cartman phenomenon. Oh boy! And, and it's it, it's when you scare players so badly they refuse to go on to the final scene. Screw you guys! I'm going home. Screw you guys! <laughs> yeah. I'm going home. Um, and and it happens a lot. And and opinions are really varied in the community as to whether a keeper should try and steer their players back into the narrative or if they should just let them go. Hmm. Um. So it's an in- when you really look at it, it's a very interesting discussion. I've found that the only time, and this is coming from a Dungeons and Dragons point of view, the only time it is very difficult to let characters run rampant is if you have a map that's already pre-made. <laughs> right. You know, you're running 3D dungeon tiles. Like, oh, we don't want to go in there. No, fuck that. We're going to go over here. I'm like, what the fuck? God damn it. <laughs> Yeah, but Call of Cthulhu, it's like, oh, you need to go in there to save this sacrifice and stop this ritual. And someone will say, or we can burn the building down. (laughs) (laughs) And then, you know, like, well, you know that the the person who's been kidnapped by the cult will will surely die. 
and they're like, I'm good with that. I, I've been playing this character for three years. I am not, not going. I'm a freaking librarian. I am not the U.S. Marines. We are not, you know, and you're like, okay you know do you you know do you punish players for that do you steer them back in the right or do you just accept it and sometimes it's not even that sometimes it's even like you know what screw it uh, i i'm fine you know they're not really hurting anybody but each other the world's not gonna end i am not mm -hmm. risking this character screw that you know and they just walk away from the narrative um and you know i i'm of the opinion that that that's fine um, because right. if, if you don't give players choice, then there are no heroic choices. All of your choices are forced upon you. I mm -hmm. think for to, to do something truly heroic, it has to be by choice. You're choosing to put yourself at risk um, to, to do this. Right. Well, and, and, I, and, and other people disagree. So they're like, oh, it's ruining the game. Like, no, it's not your game. It's the player's game. And this is the ending they're choosing. Mm -hmm. And a lot of keepers have a really hard time understanding that, that you're just here to facilitate the group. They're not playing your game. You're running their game. Right. Well, and I mean that's the interesting dichotomy with with this type of game, or like the Fear itself game that we're that we're currently playing. Um, you know, you're playing normal people in a in a relatively normal circumstance, and then this crazy thing happens, and it's like, how would I react in that scenario? You know, would you kick the door down? Would you just like say fuck it and walk away, or or set the building on fire, or you know, call the cops? So I mean, it's a very I mean, you're you know, you're playing a game. You know, you know that this is where the story is leading and like this is probably what we should do even if it's a TPK, but but if yeah. if you if you're attached to that character, if you've got some investment, if you've learned three or four spells and, and you know, is it is is what's at stake worth risking that character? Does it seem like the risk is is you know it's not even a risk it's a suicide mission you know when do you just say no you know the they may win this battle but you know we're gonna keep fighting the war and if i if i lose this battle my war is over you know i could do more i could do more good on the next scenario <laughs> <laughs> i'll save the world next time yeah yeah um, well, we, we had to come up in, in a scenario that, that Neil ran for us and, and uh, Kurt from the MFG cast was playing with us. And, and then characters like, what are we doing? Like, why are we doing this? And then, you know, you kind of like do those mental gymnastics like in characters like, well, because, you know, if you have to metagame to motivate your characters to go to the ending, You've present. There's been something wrong with the way the material's been set up to for presentation. Hmm. You know, by then your characters should be so, you know, woven into the storyline, invested is is that they they no they have to do this. And when and when they do get invested, it's beautiful because they really care about what's going on. You know, they hate these imaginary villains. Yeah. They feel for these imaginary victims. And they're willing to put their imaginary characters at great peril to set this right. Um, so when you get to the point where people are like, why are we even doing it? Then it's okay. You know, the, 
we needed to do a better job before we got to this point. And that's, yeah. you know, it. Call of Cthulhu is a very hard game to run well. Um, and I, I will say that. And it does not come easy. It comes with a lot of practice. But when you've got players that are really into it and a keeper that knows how to jive with them, it's just magic. Yeah, was, that is a magical moment when I, you know, that, that everything kind of comes to a head and you're like, yep, we're going to, this is what we have to do. It, it's, it's cool. It, it's, uh, yeah, I mean, it makes it worthwhile. Right, right. Because you don't get it with every game, so. No, no, you yeah. don't. Those, those moments really kind of stand out, so. Uh, I I don't have anything else. Uh, I'm sure we could, you know, bullshit about gaming and the Necronomicon and everything else till you know for another couple hours. I'm sure. Um, yeah. I, I don't have it. I was going to try to do new final five questions for you if they were all like Cthulhu based, but I just did not get the opportunity. So we'll we'll, well forego what's this final five like trivia. Uh, you've done final five before, right? You you had to have. I, I must have. Yeah, he has. Yeah, yeah, Star Trek or Star I'm, in the, I'm in the middle of I'm in the middle of a Kickstarter. Okay, guys, <laughs> I, I'm not in my right mind right now. No, no, it's good, it's good. So I'm we'll, we'll, in my right mind anytime. Yeah. <laughs> so if you want to uh, give out all your your uh, details there for contact and whatnot, so people can get a hold of you and check out your Kickstarter and whatnot. Okay. Um, yeah, you can like us on Facebook, Golden Goblin Press. Uh, we update a lot. Uh, we have uh, we're on Twitter. Our we're on Kickstarter currently running um, Seventh Edition Guide to Cthulhu Invictus. Uh, yeah, you know that's where to find us. The Kickstarter runs until the Ides of March, March fifteenth. Nice. I didn't realize that, that was the case. That's cool. <laughs> yeah, that's that's kind of why we when we launched when we did. We really wanted to hit that date. We figured it would be memorable. All right. And before I give out our, our information here, uh, Tom had asked earlier and I forgot, uh, are there any cursed and or magical items uh, in, in the, in the setting itself because of the, you know, sort of that background and, and um, your, uh, what we were talking about earlier, I can't we, think of the words we, that we I want. Have, we have not gotten to that chapter yet, but there will be mythos tomes. There will be spells. Um, and I, I really think that this is a period where magic and, and warfare would have been perfectly intertwined. Um, I've, I've got a great idea for a, a sword made from the iron of, you know, the blood iron of sacrifices. Hmm. Um, so, uh, no, I've, I've got a couple of really horrific, you know... <laughs> sentient items um i mean I'm, I'm the guy who came up with the mim sahis the 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 sentient evil you know dinosaur bone dagger in uh you know in horror on the orient express so i love me some evil magic weapons <laughs> um and and will there be any in this book pretty sure at least one um uh but yeah i'm hoping and again, you know, you don't want to get two D and D magic items, but you know, screw it. You you kind of gotta. I mean, well, it fits the setting, right? I it mean, does it does fit the setting. It does yeah. fit the setting. Right. You're not gonna have like a hundred, but you know, if there's a you know a handful of things that you know people have, are rumored about the the empire, right? Right. Cool. Um, 
but yeah, the, there there may be a, a you know three or four, maybe five uh, really interesting items floating around the empire with some story hooks to them. Nice. But again, that's not one of the chapters we've gotten to yet. Okay. Uh, currently, we've got six of the eleven chapters done. We're working on seven, and one of the two, uh, one of the, and the included scenario is done. And hopefully, the secondary stretch goal scenario is already being worked on. Nice. See ya, Tom. Oscar has got you covered. <laughs> cool. Uh, and, and I will just rebut the fact that you're on Twitter. You're not very active. <laughs> no, I know. I know. I'm on. I'm active on Facebook. I forget Twitter half the time. I, I feel terrible about that. But I'm really. I'm. I update the Facebook page a lot. Mm -hmm. I see it all the time. <laughs> cool. All right. I will give out all of our stuff here as well. You can find this awesome uh, broadcast and all of our other cool content at legendsoftabletop.com. If you have any questions, comments, or feedback, you can reach out to us at legendsoftabletop at gmail.com. Uh, we're on Twitter at Legends Tabletop. We're on Instagram where I post you know, all my cool board game stuff and uh, not too playing anything at the table other than board games right now, but uh, you know, there's cool stuff on there. Uh, we're on Tumblr. You can find us on iTunes, Stitcher, uh, Google Music. Uh, you know, we're all over there. So uh, if you could lead, leave it, wow. If you could leave us a review on iTunes or any of those other places, that would be awesome. We appreciate it. And uh, I guess that's probably it. So we'll catch you guys next time. This podcast is a proud member of the Legends of Tabletop Broadcast Network. For more gaming-related content, please visit www.legendsoftabletop.com.